John 12. Verse 12 to 19 is the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and they went out meeting him, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on the donkey's colt. At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, they continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. So we're almost at the end of the series, the series that we've been doing, which has been um, based on prayer, looking at all sorts of different aspects of what good prayer is. And I, I was kind of inspired, partly inspired by the Bible, of course, which is always good, and, and by God and by the Holy Spirit, but also inspired by Rachel Hickson, who wrote a couple of really good books. Well, I mean, she's probably written other good books as well, but I've only read two of them, about prayer. And she says that there are several things, and she lists them beginning with S, that actually make good prayer. And we started off with, did we not satisfy? prayer a few weeks ago and we looked about and um, the Isaiah passage talks about in Isaiah 56 7 these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer and we looked at the whole idea of the house of prayer and how how we construct with God the house of prayer which is what we inhabit together and we kind of everybody's prayer life is different but God and the constructor and us work on that prayer life together with him so that's where we started off and then also we talked about simple and, and small prayer how prayer doesn't have to be complex and, and intricate to be valid. Prayer can be done by small people and can be really inspiring in that way as well. But also, we then moved on to prayer being sanctuary. And that was Mothering Sunday. That was a lovely day for those mothers amongst us when we could have a time of refreshment and renewal and have the cooked dinner made for us. And then there was stubborn prayer. And that's what we looked at last week when we talked about being persistent in our prayer life with God. Rather like that persistent widow never giving up. And Rachel Hickson mentioned, she didn't actually mention, I don't know whether I mentioned last week, how um, she was prayed for. I did, didn't I? But how she was prayed for and kept on and on and on and on praying until she was completely healed, not just partially healed. And God said to them at one point, now is not the time to give up. And how sometimes our unanswered prayers seemingly are actually unfinished or abandoned prayers. So today we're going to be all spontaneous, which rather neatly, when we looked in the list of prayers that we were going to do, I didn't really know I was going to be doing practically all of them, Andrew, will it? But anyway, when we looked, we thought this fits in rather well because, not blaming you, it's wonderful that you've had your operation but it's been rather too much Sally Willett over the last few weeks. Anyway, we thought spontaneous prayer, didn't we, would fit in really well with Palm Sunday when the crowds spontaneously praised and worshipped and celebrated Jesus going to Jerusalem, doing what they thought he was going to do, but actually they were wrong, which is why they spontaneously decided then not to praise him. 
Spontaneous prayer, however, let's move on from that story a little bit into the whole subject of spontaneous prayer. Prayer, if you like, and I mentioned this passage already linked with the offering. Prayer that arises from the overflow of your heart to God. In both Luke and in Matthew it says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, sometimes that's a very good thing, but other times it's not so good. Have you ever had stuff in your heart that you really just do not want to spew out? Or even perhaps it's in there and you do spew it out and it's not a pretty sight at all because your heart's not right, is it? But when your heart is right, when your heart is blessed, when your heart does have the Holy Spirit in, it is a beautiful and wonderful thing when your overflow of your heart comes out to God in prayer. However, even if you're not feeling good, we don't want to be false in prayer. We want to be honest in prayer. We want to be real in prayer. Even when we do have anxiety and spewing stuff in our heart, we do need to actually share that with God in prayer. Because there's something so wonderful about spontaneous, raw, honest prayer with God. Because when we approach God with that reality, with that rawness in our spontaneous prayer, whatever it looks like, God will begin to and can begin to deal with our mess and clear it up or receive our wonderful praise. Whichever it is, he's glad to do it. He wants us to build that house. He wants us to grow in our relationship and to have a place, a house of prayer that's worthy of him to come and inhabit and for us to dwell together with him. I tried to do, as those of you who would know me would know I would do this, a little bit of research on spontaneous prayer in the Bible. Not surprisingly, there are not many scripted examples of recorded spontaneous prayer. Relatively early on, however, I kind of scratched a little and found one in Genesis 8. When Noah, having saved the animals in the ark, well, he responded, I think rather ironically, by burning some of them on the altar, along with praise and prayer of God. Abraham, by Genesis 17 as well, we see that he fell face down in spontaneous prayer and worship. However, although we struggle, I mean, obviously Adam walked in the cool of the day with God in the Garden of Eden, but that's not really again recorded. But but later on, by the time of Moses, they are getting, well, he's getting pretty heavily into spontaneous prayer with God. Things are beginning to hot up, particularly in many ways more than one, when he meets the burning bush and God's in the burning bush. And he, well, he can't even touch the ground. He has to take his shoes off because it's holy ground. And, and his prayer life progresses to that shiny face moment of one-to-one, which he had quite often with God, up the mountain. And biblical commentators acknowledge when I googled earlier on this evening, yesterday evening, there is a high level of interaction between Moses and God. It's lovely that they were able to analyse that. But we can just see that God touched and God blessed him and he spontaneously responded to that and did all sorts of wonderful things in God's name. So when you think about that, when you think about something like Moses encountered, something like Abraham encountered, perhaps not the Noah bit, but all of those things, we think... Don't you want a bit of that? Don't you want some of that 
that kind of heartwarming, kind of exciting stuff that actually leads you to respond to God. I mean, it's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it, that we want to be in that place of the presence of God where all we can do is spontaneously have that a time of prayer and worship and celebration. Be in the crowd, but stick in the crowd of Palm Sunday. You might say it's a no-brainer. However, it does have to be said that sometimes those who have close encounters, those who have high levels of interaction with God, as Moses did, can often seem to be a little bit odd. Take, for example, John the Baptist. Well, let's have a little bit of reading about introducing the character of John the Baptist, who had high levels of interaction with God, but was quite a strange sort of guy. Thank you very much, Maggie, for the first reading. The reading is from Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. John the Baptist prepares the way. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt round his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and from all Judea and the whole region of Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Don't go far away, Maggie, because the next reading will be in just a moment. If you think of John the Baptist, those of you who are familiar with the character from the Bible, all familiar from that reading, high levels of interaction with God, tick, strange tick also. So there we have an example of somebody that in some ways you want to be like him, but in other ways he is quite strange. And then also when we look at what happened after Jesus died and rose again from the dead and then Pentecost came, can we see what, thinking about those high levels of interaction with God, what happened to the people at Pentecost? What happened to them and and how did they get transformed by the Holy Spirit of God? Let's hear from the beginning of Acts. The reading is Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 8 and then 12 and 13. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came they were all together in one place. Suddenly A sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Amazed and perplexed, they asked of one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. Amen. 
we will look at that passage a little bit later on. Not today, but we will look at that passage when Pentecost actually comes. But it just gives an illustration about how the early church, when the Holy Spirit came, when they had that interaction with God, it seemed, it said, by the people observing them around them, it seemed as if they were almost drunk. There was this kind of power of God, but yet this kind of almost kind of madness that came with it. But yet, were those people drunk? No, they weren't. The Holy Spirit had come, and they were simply just being obedient. Jesus has said, go to Jerusalem and wait. They'd gone to Jerusalem and they'd waited. And then when they were praying, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they had to be prepared to, well, I suppose really they had to be prepared to be like fools for Christ. They had to be prepared to be open to God, which sometimes is something that gives people that kind of strange, kind of prophetic air, which means that people perhaps see that perhaps they're different from other people. Are we prepared to be different and transformed by God for God? That is the challenge. And that's why it isn't a no-brainer. To receive from God does make a difference in our lives. But I would contend that that difference is brilliant and it is well worth having. Because what did they receive? What they were waiting for? They received God's Holy Spirit at the end of the Lenten fast. Not that they did that then, but at the end of what would have been the Lenten fast, Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection, it was culminating and it culminated in Pentecost, which catapulted the church into new life, into new action. And they were filled, as it said in Ephesians 5.18, filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk on wine, it says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. But yet the Holy Spirit is the kind of high that you would get on occasions without the hangover afterwards. And for those of you who have had a hangover, they will know that hangovers are not good. But yet high, the receiving of the Holy Spirit is an excellent and wonderful thing. Ephesians 6.10 also talks about praying in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. We have to be, if we believe in what Jesus teaches us to do, obedient in that instruction as well. And Jude 20 also says, build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Spirit. Now, for some of you, you'll know what I'm going on about. But for others of you, you might think I'm quite strange. And you might think, what? Well, perhaps everybody thinks I'm a little bit strange, but then again, there we go. That's what I actually prepared to do when I stand here. But what does all this actually mean, whether you understand it or not? What is praying in the Spirit? What is being spontaneous for God? I believe that receiving the Holy Spirit into your lives does inspire you and does equip you to follow Jesus. And one of the ultimate ways of this happening is actually speaking in tongues, which is a heavenly prayer language. And it is a way of of becoming, if you like, deeper in your prayer language with God. It's explained in Romans 8.26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I won't ask, but if there's anybody here who's never been weak, you could put your hand up. Everybody has moments of weakness. It says here in Romans 8, 26, it's in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. He prays for us with groans that words cannot express. And that is one way that I understand what people, what Christians would call praying in tongues, that, that we don't know how. Have you ever had how you, you, even just not with God, but with other people, you want to say something, but you don't know how to express it? And the Holy Spirit, through speaking in tongues for some people, or just having that silence and that that awareness and presence of God, 
the Holy Spirit helps us to communicate with God in deeper and fresher ways that really help to sort stuff out, really help to be able to deal with some of that overflow of our heart at times or some of the things that are challenging us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14.4, it is edifying, like giving yourself a spiritual tonic if you pray in the Spirit, if you pray in tongues. The word edify, what does it mean? It comes from the same root to grow or to enlarge or to increase or to, to give capacity to. So if you feel in your spiritual life like, well, you're not really edified, you're not really refreshed, you're more like a kind of very sticky stick insect. If you feel that your spiritual life is a bit barren and a bit raw, if you need more spiritual muscle, maybe praying in tongues, receiving God's Holy Spirit is the spiritual gift that you really are waiting for. Because the Holy Spirit through this can grow and enlarge your spiritual capacity. It can put muscles upon that sticky stick insect. It can create the ability and the effectiveness for you to pray at that deeper level with God. It will strengthen your prayer stamina and the ability to pray. And what do you need to do to get it? All you need to do is ask. Jesus said, and he was referring to all of the spiritual gifts. haven't got time today to go into all of them or even to go into praying in tongues, but this is merely an introduction, perhaps next week. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Because your Father in heaven wants to give good gifts to those who ask him. These gifts of the Spirit, like speaking in tongues, all of those gifts, this is what he's talking about in that passage in Matthew 7, 7. Not, however, that speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, is the be-all and end-all. Communicating through God in speaking in tongues is not the only way that people pray. As I said, that you can have that deeper relationship with God without that gift. It's just, it's, it's good, isn't it? It says in the Bible, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. It's good to do that. It is good to have one of those tools to be able to pray and to have that intimacy with God. Paul says that praying with our understanding is one thing, he talks about this in 1 Corinthians 14, but also praying in the spirit is another. And, and in that passage, he's counteracting some people who are going on about speaking in tongues. And he's counteracting and, and he's saying that, I would rather say five intelligible words spoken in church to instruct at times than a thousand, ten thousand words in tongues if people don't understand them. And he, he says that we need to get these stuff, these things in balance. But let me just, as I finish, honestly, let me just give you an illustration as to why I think praying in the spirit and the ultimate form of this, praying in tongues, can be helpful. When we look at our prayer house, I mentioned that concept weeks ago, but also just briefly this morning. It's something that God builds from the foundations. He gets rid of all the rubble and the muck and the rubbish and, and, and digs, out, digs out the foundations with us. And, and then we build it brick by brick as we kind of grow in our relationship with God. But also in our prayer house, we have different entrances, different doorways. Think about for your home, your natural home, where you live, your address. Do you not have a, a back door, a front door, maybe even a patio door, maybe even getting through the garage? In our normal houses, we have different ways into our home. That is also true of our prayer house. There are different entrances. There's a front door, there's a back door, maybe there's a patio door. There's different ways in which we can come into prayer. Different kind of 
different styles, different ways. And, and one of the ways is through traditional prayer. One of the ways is through thought-through prayer. And another one of those entrances, one of those ways to come into prayer is through spiritual praying in tongues. And what we want to do this morning, what I want to do this morning is to challenge you. Have you ever thought about that new way of praying? We need to have several doorways into our house of prayer. We want to be able to break away from the routine. It's so easy to to have to do a prayer like that, like that, and say, dear Father, and end in Jesus' name. It would be brilliant, wouldn't it, to actually break that pattern. Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer as a kind of way of praying. He didn't say you always have to do it exactly like this. And similarly with praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. If you want to know more about it, come to myself, come to Andrew afterwards, and we can talk and we can pray through how you can receive that gift. Or simply, you could just come to God and ask There are other different ways into your prayer house, and I'd just like to mention one final one this morning, the gift of music. There are several people, you thought I might have missed that one out, didn't you, Brian? There are several people, you've not read my talk at all, there are several people in this congregation here, and even amongst our guests, who play musical instruments, who sing, who do guitar, violin, flute, all sorts of different things. And I would contend, I've used that word twice this morning, I'm not counting, I would contend that music is actually a brilliant way to come into prayer. You pluck your guitar, no you don't. You strum your guitar, you pluck your violin. Let me get this right. I studied music, I should know. Yet you, you, you strum your guitar, and as you're strumming your guitar, you have that kind of deeper, or you can have, that deeper kind of, music reaches parts other things can't reach. Is that not right? the singers. You've done that. You've shown that to us wonderfully, and the band as well. You've shown that to us wonderfully. Not to forget them, because they'll be here next week. You won't be unless you want to stay. The music reaches parts, spiritual parts, that other things don't reach. And I would suggest, when you go from here, or even whilst you're here, it would be brilliant to actually use that gift, that natural gift or perhaps not so natural for some of us, but that natural gift to actually have it as another doorway into the prayer house, another way of going deeper with God, praying in the spirit, praying using our intellect, praying using our music, praying using our voice. And and it talks about rejoicing with him and how God actually rejoices over us with singing, but we also can rejoice with him in singing. I want to finish... I do want to finish, eventually. Otherwise, everybody will have missed their train and I'll be too late to walk home myself. With just one verse from Psalm 42, verse 7. It talks about deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. And this is what it's about. We had the song last night about rain and how it was brilliant with the thunder and everything. Oh, we could have had that this morning. But it's just that whole idea that, that there is that depth in God. And there is not only a depth in him, but there's also a depth in you that really only God can satisfy. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. And there's that power of God. And if you actually allow God to, to go to greater depths with you in prayer, he can speak his heart to you as you share the depth of your heart with him. And with that heart connection, it's rather like I was saying last week, with that heart connection, God can pull down amazing things from heaven and work them in your life 
in the life of your family, in the life of your church, in the life of your community, and indeed in the life of the world. It can be a cascading roar that comes down from heaven. Let us just pray. We thank you, Lord, that you have that depth that you want to search in our lives and that depth of your heart that you want to share with us. And we do pray, Lord, that you will help us to see fresh and new doorways into the house of prayer. And if our house of prayer is just a bit of a ruin, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you will help us from this day to begin to build it with you. Build it in fresh new ways that are personal to us. Maybe ways using music, maybe using art, maybe using dance, whatever you want to use, whatever natural talent you have given us that we perhaps didn't even know we've got that you want us to use. Help us to grow deeper in love with you as you show and express your love for us. And we pray, Lord, that as we come from this place, we'll be challenged but also inspired to know you with that intimacy and to know your heart and share ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.